Uh, we're talking about prayer today, so to open with, I'm going to read a few prayers uh, from other religious practices. Um, here we go. All right, here's one. This food is the gift of the whole universe. Each morsel is a sacrifice of life. May I be worthy to receive it. May the energy in this food give me strength to transform my unwholesome qualities into wholesome ones. I am grateful for this food. May I realize the path of awakening for the sake of all beings. That's a Buddhist prayer. Next one. I know not any other reality than the lotus-eyed Krishna with hands adorned with flute, looking like a heavy-laden cloud in luster, wearing a yellow silk garment with his lower lip like a ruddy bimba fruit and with face shining like the full moon. It's a prayer to the pagan god Krishna, and you will recognize this one, I suspect. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I read those three together because I think we can sometimes get used to hearing the kind of Christian Lord's Prayer but the reality of it is, is that often when you hear prayers like that, they are a little bit hard to understand and a little bit hard to get through, to see why you're praying, what you're praying and what it actually means. You know, as Christian people, we can struggle what to say in a prayer, let alone for those who are kind of, you know, you might be on the edge of church or visiting or don't come very often. It's even harder in that sense to understand what is going on for prayer. So today we have a challenge because if worship is what we've said it is, we've been looking at it this whole term, and praying is a main part of it, then it feels like we had better get it right. Um, over the last couple of weeks we've been thinking about this idea of gospel-shaped worship, uh, by which we mean how do you respond to the value of the gospel? How do we do things in light of the saving work of Christ? We, we've talked about worship as the idea of how you respond to something really precious. And Jesus says that praying is one of the ways that we do this. Praying is a part of being part of God's family and a central part. And in this prayer, Jesus wants to show the simple and powerful ways that prayer is a part of worshipping God. What we're going to do is see what prayer is not. We're going to see that it's about God and we're going to see that it's good. So we're going to look at not and God and good this morning. We'll start in the famous prayer, uh, but just before it, Jesus actually mentions a few things about prayer before he says this is how you should pray. He talks about what prayer is not in this section. Uh, when I was at school, there was this kind of famous moment where all week we had had the anti-smoking lessons in, in health or PE. Um, I think they still have those. Uh, it's anti-vaping now. But We'd had it all week, and our teacher, he was so good at it, you know. I was totally convinced. I'm, I'm absolutely never going to do that. Then Friday afternoon, behind the sports sheds, somebody busted Mr. X smoking. Now, it wasn't that he was a smoker. It was that he was an anti-smoking crusader, which made it feel terrible. And the sense of where Jesus says here, he actually doesn't want his people to be like that. He talks about two ways not to pray. One is being a hypocrite and one is being a babbler. 
He says, I don't want people to pray and be something they're not, to be fake, to be pretend. He doesn't want a prayer about showing how good you are. Uh, The thing he's going to address is that religious kind of people in his day, they love to be kind of praised and honoured and seen for just how well they could pray. He says, I don't really want that. Verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. They have got everything they can ever look forward to. Don't be something you're not, he says. This is ridiculous. And in kind of exaggeration, he says you should go and lock yourself in a room. And it's much more of an exaggeration than we think, because in their day, they didn't have a lot of rooms with a lot of doors. Uh, So what he's really talking about here is sort of go into a small box and close the lid. (laughs) That's where you should pray. Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Just go somewhere and, and talk to God. And also, don't sort of go on and on and on. Uh, don't, don't be a babbler, he'll say. All, all the religions, uh, lots of them today and lots of them in their day, One of the things people would do was religious chants or they would talk for a long time. They even had a a group of people who would be known for their kind of holiness by chanting to the point until they fainted. And and he says to them, I don't don't want you to go on and on. That's not what God's people do in verse 7. When you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Before he talks about what prayer is, he says prayer is not being a hypocrite and being a babbler. Too much religious or jargon talk. Jesus just says, do simple, real prayers. God, I don't know what to say, but please help my mum. God, I want my friend to know Jesus. God, thank you. Short, clear, easy. See, if we really want to know how to give God his value, it is good to know how not to pray. That's a good start, I think, and Jesus does that. But he goes on, helpfully, to give a kind of scaffolding, a framework for how you might pray. And the first thing he says about praying is it should be centred on God. The first line of the model prayer, we start to get laid out a, a who and a what and a how as we think about praying to God. A who and a what and a how. In verse 9, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The who of prayer, he says here, is talking to God as their father. A dad in heaven. When they thought about heaven, here's a picture of how they thought of the world uh, just on the screen. Um, they kind of had this view of the world that it's flat. There's a big dome over the top called the firmament. There's some poles under the bottom where the abyss is. Uh, there's that stuff. Everything around that is heaven. And so what they're saying is, I want you to talk to the one who is everything around this and holds all of this. Talk to that God. He's your father. That's the who. And the what is pray that your name would be hallowed, uh, which it sounds a bit like Halloween. It's an unusual word, but it, does, it just means honoured. Give someone the recognition and the respect they deserve. A lot like our definition of worship in the sense of respond with the value that that God has. That's what they should do. Dad, you are over everything. We want people to see that. 
the very heart of Jesus' prayer here has God at the centre, which I think is a challenge. You know, Christian people, sometimes we put our stuff and just our plans for the week and what's happening in our life and all that's kind of the centre of the prayer. But Jesus said, actually, put your Father in heaven there. It's the who and the what and the how. Verse 10 answers that. He says, how it all happens as what is true about God makes its way down to earth. We most often think of going up to heaven, but the the Bible talks unashamedly about God bringing his presence to what he has made and fixing it. It coming down and being renewed partly now and finally when Jesus returns. And Jesus says, the thing you should be praying is that God's power and goodness would be spread through his kingdom or through his church in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People are to pray that God would be known and worshipped throughout the entirety of the universe. It's the first and foremost part of Christian prayer, praying for God and God's reputation to spread, that people would see God is good. Now, I accept there can be a bit of a sense in where uh, asking that you would pray that people know how good someone is is a bit weird. Um, I think there could be the kind of person who's thinking, is, is God egotistical if he wants us to pray to him that more people would like him? Is it a bit like the kind of guy or girl online who posts a very well-filtered picture and really waits for the, the hearts and the comments of, you look awesome, to come up? Is that what God's doing? Because if I could convince you guys uh, this week to go out and say, you know what, this church is great because Mitch is great. I want you to all know how good Mitch is. If I could for a second get any of you to even consider that and looking at the faces, everyone is going, absolutely no. But if I could convince you of that, I'm telling you it would end badly. I would let you down. I would eat your last chocolate. I would forget something. I would accidentally gossip about you. I would let you down. And that's our experience, isn't it? People, they do let you down. We're like that. But God is not like that. Actually, we tell people about the goodness of God because when people know the good God, good things happen. That's where the second half of this model prayer goes. Jesus wants his people to pray about their Father in heaven Because it will bring good change. Communities transform. There's a massive change in verse 11 to 13, not just to individuals, like we talked about last week. It's all plural. It's all us. It's the church family. It's the kingdom. It's the kind of community, transformed individuals who live in a different way because Jesus is precious. And three things happen in this community. Provision and pardon and protection. Verse 11, it's, it's a community where our need is met, but not our greed. Jesus says God's people are a people provided for our need, but not greed in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. He's talking to God not just about uh, lots of other things in life, lots of extreme things, but normal mundane stuff like water and food and uh, and a house and a bit of income and some days even just patience to get through. 
pray for those things. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 30, verse 8, would would use the language Jesus has used here. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. God is making a, a culture of provision, but also a culture of pardon, a place not of grudges or permanent records and no debts. Verse 12 uses the financial language to describe it, how people will forgive each other. Verse 12, forgive our debts as we forgive also our debtors. And what's astounding is that Jesus gave this sermon, this is before he goes to the cross, and he says this on them, but in a few years' time from this, he will go to the cross and show them what he means by the power of forgiveness, by dying on the cross for the sin of his people creating a kingdom where forgiveness and not revenge is standard, giving his people the power to forgive others when they're wronged because they have been forgiven. Our God creates a a culture of provision and of pardon and the last thing Jesus shows in the model prayer is protection. Jesus says his people should pray for protection from evil, that the source of evil in this world would be crushed, that as the tide of Jesus and his people goes out, that everything evil is banished in verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. The second half of this prayer is a prayer about people and families and houses and church and towns and cities changed. Places provision and pardon and protection but here's the thing Jesus put these two things together because that culture is only changed by a good and holy God who produces good and holy things through the work of Jesus that's why prayer is so central to this idea of worship It taps into exactly what Jesus has done at the cross and in his resurrection. It taps into this idea that God is at work changing us and changing everything. He's been doing it for all of history. He's doing it right across the world and he will keep doing it. Acting against evil just like he did at the cross. Giving life just like Jesus got at his resurrection. Giving hope that no one else can. The power of the Christian community has been described by many people... A few weeks ago, I quoted an atheist guy, someone who doesn't believe in any kind of God. This week, I'm going to go a step further, and I'm going to quote a guy who's an agnostic, which means he thinks there might be something out there, but not quite sure what it is. Uh, His name's Rodney Stark. Is that the name of the guy in Iron Man? No. Okay. Okay, I don't know things about things. Um, Rodney Stark, his name, is a sociologist, and he he, he didn't believe in God, but he spent his life studying religions, uh, and he commented that there was something unique about what Christianity did to the early Greek and Roman cities as it first spread. Uh, Let me read this. He recognized there was something different about the community. Christianity, he says, revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with many urgent problems. To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent and ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fire and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. For what they bought was not simply an urban movement, but a new culture. 
culture, capable of making life in the Greco-Roman cities more tolerable. It's an astounding observation. He saw something different in the people who prayed and the communities who were centred on Jesus, that the power of Jesus' forgiveness was bringing new life in so many ways. And we pray because our God is worth our praise and he can do something very, very good. There is, I think, something a little bit unusual about the Lord's Prayer in that I've been a Christian for 23 years now. I'm getting very old. I became a Christian as a teenager out of a non-church family. But um, I still, when people say the Lord's Prayer, struggle to remember the words <laughs> and sort of just kind of wait and say the last syllable. Uh, and so in a way, this prayer that is meant to show us that God is good and make him easily accessible because he brings good sometimes has become to us a bit of a wall to sort of praying well. It's still a good prayer. And also our prayers can be difficult for people who are new to church as well. Um, I think it's true as Christians we can sometimes say stuff that's a bit complicated. Uh, and look, go easy on us. Sometimes we just get messed up in our words. Um, that's what happens, I think. And as a church family, we can do the same stuff to each other at times. I know lots of people are worried about going to our kind of prayer and praise things because they're not sure what they should say. And I understand that. So just come and don't say anything and for the first time. And we've got to be mindful of, of helping bring others to worship God with us. But the Lord's model prayer does show us what Jesus' people are to be like, centred on Jesus, uh, centred on God's goodness coming through Jesus. We talk to God and our Father like that, like he's at work right now, doing loving and warm and considerate and good and committed things. That's how we pray in every situation, whether it's across the world, in our families, in our church, in our friendships. We just ask for God to be seen as the good heavenly father not because he's a power hungry controller but because he's a god who will bring good things by his presence so we ask god to provide for our need and not for our greed we ask him to provide for the need of those around us we pray that the gospel comes to places filled with orphans and widows so they can have a new and expanded sense of family we pray for jesus to be known in places torn by racism and family violence so that Christianity can offer a new foundation for social unity. To places that have been through pandemics and floods and droughts, we pray that Christ's people would be a hospital for the hurt. And we pray that places filled with confused, fractured and distant people, the gospel would come with its history-making love and honesty to bring meaning and forgiveness and hope. A new culture capable of making life in Dolby more tolerable. God, they need a job. Give them one. Dad, they need some food. Help me get it to them. God, I, I've just been lazy and rebellious. Show me how to forgive and help me to be patient like you have been with me. Clear out evil at work. I don't know what's going on and I can't put my finger on it, but I know it's not right. God, I struggle to understand Satan, but it feels like he's got our obsession with pleasure and he's just driving it into the ground. Somehow can you stop that? And as we pray Jesus-shaped prayers as Christian worshippers, we will see that God is coming and that the gospel is good as Jesus' church spreads. And prayer keeps us alive to God's growing eternal community that will one day be made completely good by Christ. I think we should pray. Let's do that. Our God, 
You are good. And you deserve every bit of respect and honour. Worship. And God, we can see in the Lord Jesus that you can forgive sin, still be fair in not just overlooking everything bad, but dealing with it. And we see that you are good in that life can come from death. Lord, we want people to see that you are good and that only with you do very good things come. Would you please forgive us for forgetting who you are and what you've done and for the ways that we have stopped things from becoming good. We want everyone to know what Jesus has done and we want everyone to know you. Amen.